Today on Let the Bible Speak. With eternity looming before us, are you depending upon a lie? The Bible talks about that, and it'll be our study today on Let the Bible Speak. And a good day to you. It's so good to have you with us for Let the Bible Speak, and it's my pleasure to be here with you. Let's study the Bible together for a few moments, and I want us to look at an ominous prophecy found in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. The prophet here is warning of judgment that is going to befall Judah and the city of Jerusalem when the Assyrians would invade. The people in charge at that time were not very concerned because they had made alliances and plans that they thought protected them from any danger. And unfortunately, those plans did not include trusting in and obeying the Lord. So therefore, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 28, beginning in verse 14, says this. He says, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we in agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. Isaiah says these religious and political leaders had a great surprise in store when the refuge in which they were hiding, spiritually speaking, was suddenly swept away. And that same surprise awaits many in our day as well. Today I want to talk with you about the refuge of lies. Could it be that you, as you're going through life, are taking comfort in nothing more than a lie? that the judgment of God may be closer and more certain than you think. Stay with me because what we're going to talk about today could determine where you spend eternity. And I'll be back with our study in a moment. Remember the day that he went away and angels said he would return. All the faithful saints then have a message for men and a promise that makes their hearts good. Evening, in the twinkling, can't wait till 
When King Hezekiah was on the throne, Judah was about to be invaded by the Assyrians. This invasion represented God's judgment on the people of Judah, but the rulers of Judah mocked the warnings of God's judgment and doom, and instead of trusting in the Lord and turning their hearts back to Him, they were instead making an unholy alliance with Egypt that they thought would protect them from being invaded. Now, God's people had a history of relying on the pagan nations around them for protection and entering into compromising partnerships and alliances with those people instead of relying upon God for their protection and their well-being. Well, in this case, they believed that they had staved off any threat and they were in no danger, but Isaiah warns that they were deceiving themselves. They would indeed face God's judgment, and nothing they did short of turning back to God and trusting in Him would spare them of the destruction that was coming. They, according to verse 15, had in Isaiah's view made a covenant with death and with hell and had hidden themselves beneath a refuge of lies, saying that in verse 17 that God's judgment was going to come. And he says, the hail would sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters would overflow their hiding place. In other words, they were fooling themselves by thinking that they would escape God's wrath and His judgment. But now in contrast to this, a few chapters later in chapter 32, when Isaiah foresees the coming rule of the Messiah over spiritual Zion, he says in verse 2, And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Well, he's talking about Jesus. In other words, Jesus would be the refuge that God would provide to forever protect His people from danger and from destruction. And the Bible teaches that we all are in need of a refuge. Every person, you, me, every person is in need of a refuge. We need a hiding place. Not merely from the storms of life and the circumstances of life and the sorrows of life. We need a hiding place from the wrath and judgment of God. And that hiding place is Jesus. And that theme recurs throughout the Bible story. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 26 says that in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and His children shall have a place of refuge. You may recall when the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt, God promised to pass through the land and pour out His judgment upon the Egyptians by slaying all of the firstborn. But He provided a refuge for His own people, the Hebrews, telling them to mark their houses with the blood of a lamb. And where He saw the blood, He would pass over them. Now that blood prefigured the blood of Christ, the Lamb of God, which made their houses a refuge from the destroyer. And the church today is marked by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And only those within His church, only those in Christ and thus in His church, are safe from the judgment of God which one day will be poured out 
upon this earth in his holiness and in his righteousness because of the sin of mankind. You may recall later when they settled in the land of Canaan that God appointed six cities throughout the land to serve as cities of refuge for those who were fleeing from justice. If a person was accidentally responsible for the death of someone else and their life was being sought in return, well, they could run to one of those cities of refuge. And as long as they were inside its gate, they were secure and nobody could harm them. Well, that too foreshadowed Christ and the refuge that He offers to sinners who run to Him in obedient faith. We read about those cities in Numbers chapter 35. So Jesus is a refuge. And I might add He is the only refuge and protection from the coming judgment of God. And my friend, we all need such a refuge because we're all sinners deserving of death. And there are no exceptions to that. Romans 3 verse 23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's you, that's me, that's every accountable person who has ever lived. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul also said that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why when we place our faith in Christ, turning away from sin and repentance, and we are buried with Christ in baptism, being washed in His blood, and thus added to His church, we then find a refuge from the condemnation of sin. Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So thank God Jesus provides a refuge. But like the people in Isaiah's day, people today, instead of trusting in the righteousness of God, that is God's system for making men righteous, the gospel, God's redemptive plan, instead of submitting to God's righteousness, they set about to establish their own standard of righteousness and are, like those people of old, hiding beneath a refuge of lies. And I want to consider with you for just a moment some of the lies, some of the many lies in which Many of us are seeking refuge this very day. You know, first, some have deceived themselves about the coming judgment day itself. Or at least they live and act as though there will really be no judgment. Oh, there might be a judgment for the horrible despots and uh, villains and the most heinous people who live the most wicked lives that we might imagine. Maybe there'll be a judgment for them, but, you know, I'm not going to have to pass before God in judgment. My friends aren't going to have to pass before God in judgment. Friend, the Bible, beyond the shadow of a single doubt, testifies that there is coming a judgment day. It is referred to again and again as the day of judgment. Friend, do you ever stop to think as you live your life that one day you will stand before Jesus Christ and be judged? Now, many people have this romantic idea that everybody dies and then meets St. Peter at the pearly gates and enters right into heaven and lives happily forever after. But that's just not true. That's a caricature. Uh, that's a distortion. The Bible doesn't teach that. Do not be fooled. The Bible says, and I want you to listen carefully now, the Bible says in Hebrews 9 verse 27, it is appointed unto man. Now that includes you, it includes me, it includes every accountable human being who has ever lived or ever will live. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. You see, it's not just die and go to glory. We die and we face the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. That judgment takes place between death and our eternal destiny. 
and every soul will pass through that bar of judgment. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, he says, God turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after, that includes people today, that after should live ungodly. And he delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. So he says there's a day of judgment in which all of the unjust, the wicked, the sinful, the impenitent, they're going to be judged. The Bible says that those who have not obeyed the gospel will be punished in that day. 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 7 through 9. It doesn't matter about good intentions. It doesn't matter about who your family relations are. It doesn't matter how many good things you've done. Paul says, To you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So don't get this idea that somehow you'll evade the judgment bar of Jesus Christ for Uh, because you've done good things or whatever uh, the rationale may be, all of us will stand before God in judgment. And if you've not obeyed the gospel, the Bible says you're going to be punished in that day. The preacher reminded the young man in the book of Ecclesiastes, as you go about and you live your life from one day to the next, he said, you remember this, God will bring every work into judgment. We need to remember that every day. Now, you know, many, instead of taking refuge in Christ, are taking refuge in the false idea that God won't judge them, that God, that God can't bring himself to punish people who live in sin. But the Bible says in Jude, verses 14 and 15, And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So, friend, the Bible leaves no doubt that God will punish impenitent sinners. The Hebrew writer even warns Christians who would leave the faith. And and I know there are those who teach today that if you've been saved, you can never forfeit salvation. You can never turn away from Christ and be lost. Once saved, always saved. Friend, the Bible doesn't teach that doctrine. That's a comforting doctrine. But I would submit to you that's a refuge of lies. Because the writer of Hebrews warned Christians who were tempted to turn away from Christ and go back to the Judaism they had at one time left. He says, if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. And then some convince themselves that God doesn't look at them in the same way he looks at others. They reason, well, you know, my sin isn't quite so bad. Or God sees the good that I do. Or, you know, there are scores of people a lot worse off than I am. Or God knows what's in my heart. He knows my intentions. 
But once again, that's seeking refuge in a lie. You see, that's what the first century Jews thought as they compared themselves to the pagan Gentiles. And they said to themselves, well, since we're Abraham's children, we're in good standing with God. God's judgment of sin doesn't apply to us. It applies to those people. That's what they thought. And that's what a lot of people think today in regard to their own personal sin. But Paul, after naming the sins of the Gentiles, turned to his own countrymen and said in Romans chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that is the Jews who were supposedly God's people, think thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Matthew 12, verse 36 says, We'll give an account for every idle word that we speak. Jesus said in John 5, 28 and 29, The hour is coming in which all in the graves will come forth, either resurrected unto life or unto damnation. He warned in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, that many who say to him in that day, But Lord, look at all of the things we did and said in your name. But I will say to them, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity or lawlessness. You see, you see there's a judgment. The judgment day is a real event marked on God's calendar. And every one of us will stand there, appear before the Lord, and be judged by our words, our thoughts, our deeds. Now Jesus is a refuge in the coming judgment. His word, the plan of salvation, gospel obedience, His blood, His church, all of those things comprise the refuge that He has provided. But many are hiding in beneath a refuge of lies. Speaking of the judgment, some are deceived about the standard of that judgment. Jesus once said that we will be judged by His Word, John 12, verse 48. The Word that I have spoken shall judge us in the last day. He told His apostles that they would sit upon thrones judging spiritual Israel, Luke 22 and verse 30. That means we will be judged by the teachings of the apostles who preached and wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 15 pictures the scene when the dead, small and great, will stand before Christ. And the Bible says the books will be opened and the dead will be judged by the things written in the books. You see, the judge will be Jesus and He is a righteous, all-knowing judge. The judge won't be your mother. It will not be your father. It won't be your neighbor. The standard will be God's Word, not your opinions or my opinions or the opinions of the majority, not the Supreme Court of the United States, not the Congress, not the President. We will one day be judged by the incontestable standard of God's perfect and immutable Word. So I ask, are you seeking refuge in a lie? Are you deceiving yourself about the judgment day, judgment day that is coming? We ought to be worried about what the Bible says and whether we're really believing, preaching, living, and worshiping by it and not by what we think or what we want or what others think. And then some are hiding behind the idea of unconditional grace. Oh, they think God is a God of love and not wrath. God is a grandfather who dotes and gives out candy and laughs and looks the other way when we do mischief? Or they think grace is a blank check that God gives us allowing us to live really as we choose without eternal consequences? That God's love and His mercy and His patience means that there is no judgment and no condemnation to impenitent sinners? Nothing could be further from the truth. That is a perversion of the grace of God. Jude, in fact, said of false teachers in his day that they were turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, they were using the grace of God as a cloak for sin, an excuse to sin. Now, friend, listen to me. 
If you think God's grace will let you live like you want to live, if you think God's love mean that God, means that God doesn't view sin seriously and that He won't judge your sin, and that you won't have to account to Him for the way you're living, if you think you can callously and flippantly and indifferently splash through the blood of Calvary and live a wanton and immoral and selfish life and meet a smiling, gracious God in the by and by, you're fooling yourself. The hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the flood shall overflow the hiding place, Isaiah said. And then there are many who are hiding beneath the refuge of their good works. Well, yes, I may be a sinner, but, you know, I do a lot of good things too. I give to charity. Why, I'll even give to a church. Uh, I one time gave the preacher a discount on that roof I put on his house or that mechanic work that I did. You know, I try to help people who are down and out, and I, I try to be really nice. I certainly wouldn't try to hurt anybody, and, you know, I, I try to be honest, and I always pay my bills. I do a lot for the community. I'm well thought of around the neighborhood and around town. And well, I even go to church when I can. I'm a member of that big church that everybody goes to, and you ought to see the good things that that church is doing for the community. So I may sin, but after all, hasn't everyone sinned? Aren't we all just sinners? And you see how it goes. The good outweighs the bad, and so it'll all balance out and it'll be all right. Judgment won't come to me. Friend, that's salvation by works. We're not saved by works. When the Bible talks about hell, though, people think that's not talking about people like me and all of my good traits. That's for Hitler and Stalin and Mao Zedong and serial killers and terrorists and child molesters and other people like that. But friend, you're hiding beneath a refuge of lies. For the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and the Bible teaches the only refuge is in Christ and in surrendering your life to Him. Have you obeyed the gospel? Are you living day by day for Jesus? Are you in His church and faithfully worshiping and serving Him according to His word? Isaiah told the faithful and, uh, and uh, the faithless and wayward people of Judah long ago that their refuge would not protect them from God's judgment, but that a man would one day come, Jesus, the Messiah, and he would be as a hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. That's the hope that can be found in Jesus. That's the hope that can be yours today. And you can face the coming of Jesus Christ and the judgment before which we all must stand with hope and with comfort and confidence and assurance, not built upon a lie, not built upon a false premise, not built upon the sand of your own goodness and your own work and your own preparation, but upon the solid foundation of Christ Jesus. That old hymn says, Christ our Redeemer died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his due. Sprinkle your soul with the blood of the Lamb, and I will pass, I will pass over you. Chiefest of sinners, Jesus will save all he has promised that he will do. Wash in the fountain, open for sin, and I will pass, will pass over you. Judgment is coming, all will be there, each one receiving justly his due. Hide in the saving, sin-cleansing blood, and I will pass, will pass over you.
Thank you for joining me today for Let the Bible Speak. I hope that our sermon from God's Word has caused you to stop and think soberly about your soul in view of the coming judgment and in view of eternity. Are you hidden away in Christ Jesus by obedience to the gospel and faithful living for Him? Or are you taking refuge in a lie? Your only hope in the judgment is the Lord Jesus and the salvation that He offers in the gospel. And so we would like to assist you in obedience, obedience to the gospel. If you've not taken those steps and been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, we'd love to hear from you today if you would like to make those changes in your life and if you'd like to begin a new life in Jesus. If you would like to have a free printed copy of our lesson, we'd be glad to send it to you. It's free of cost. Simply ask for the lesson, The Refuge of Lies, and we will send it to you as quickly as we can. Thank you so much for being with me today. I hope that you'll look us up online, ltbstv.org, and also be sure to like and follow us and subscribe to us on the various social media platforms. Just search for Let the Bible Speak TV. Have a wonderful week ahead, and if God is willing, I'll meet you back here next time. And uh, until then, God bless you, everyone. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.